0: I just play Dr. Online. Remember last week, uh, last week's show, I was talking about uh, a question that I answered on Facebook. There was a question going around, and when I posted an answer to it, it it shared it to my page so that other people could answer that question. And the, uh, the question, without reading it exactly, was something along the lines of... Uh, do you know anyone personally who has died from COVID or has tested positive? Expose an and or to that. And I, my answer was at the time that I didn't know anybody who had died and that I knew uh, five people who had tested positive for COVID. Uh, I also said that there were three other people that were close to the circle to my circle you know we all have our circles of social circles and all that there were three other people that were close to it one was the mother of one of our employees I don't know that person never met them so I can't you know in answering the question I don't personally know them I just know of them so the mother of an employee had COVID and then someone I do know personally uh, who has had COVID as has his wife who I know her personally as well not as as well as I know him, but I do know her, but they have two kids that had COVID that I don't know at all. Never met them, so I don't know them personally. So I didn't include those three people into my totals. Well, this week we can add two people to my totals. Fortunately, I don't know anybody who's died, but I do know two more people who have tested positive for COVID. Last Saturday, uh, Amy and I were home doing whatever. She got a text from her brother, Cam. Uh, Cameron, but we call him Cam. Cam texted her and said that he and his wife, Missy, both have COVID. So that's two more people that we know. Uh, His wife was at home. No, let's see. Uh, um, His wife had gotten the COVID, they think from work. Uh, she works for, <clears throat> works for a credit union or something. And he got it from her, they think. Now, he was texting Amy about all this. He was texting from a hospital bed. That's right. My brother-in-law was in the hospital, and he was letting us know that he had COVID. And he'd had it for, they figured the symptoms started coming on at a certain time, so he you know, probably had it for a little bit before that, too, because you know the symptoms don't show up right away. So he went into the hospital the day before he let us know. So that would be last Friday. Went into the hospital. Uh, His oxygen level was at uh, 86%, which is low. You want 95% or better. His was at 86%. And uh, uh, the day he was texting us, he told Amy that it was a little bit better. But, you know, the doctors are talking to him. And you know they go they go through the worst case scenario type stuff. They have to go through it. And you can say, well, okay, we're we're going to do what we can for you. And uh, but you know it is possible that you could end up on a ventilator. Her brother carries a little weight, we'll say. Um, so that, and I don't know if he has diabetes. I don't know if he has high blood pressure. I don't know if he has any, you know, asthma or anything. I I, I don't I don't think he has asthma, but. I don't know if he has any other comorbidities, but he is a rather big, he's a big fella. Not not monstrously huge, but he's, you know, he carries some weight. So uh, his wife was at home taking care of herself. Uh, she didn't have to be hospitalized. She was doing okay, but I, I, I imagine it was rough. And they have a dog, and she was taking care of the dog. Uh, so anyway, so the 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 uh, Cam did tell Amy that uh, he was also told that they expect that they might be able to get him out of the hospital in about five days, and he was on and I gotta uh, I gotta read the name properly, uh, Remdesivir, which is a, a medication used to treat people with COVID that are having the um, the the more severe uh, reaction to COVID, I guess and so this we learned this on Saturday and I, I uh, had a, a Saturday night uh, chat with uh, skeptics and I, I went in and uh, told that there was only about three other skeptics there at the moment uh, when I got in there and I just said well just found out that my brother-in-law has it and he's just a little worried you know he's in the hospital it's, it's worrisome he's in the hospital and I and I said that he's on this uh, uh, gotta look at it again Remdesivir, he's on that, and one of the skeptics there is a nurse, and she works in the OR. She works with pregnant women, uh, mainly, but she's been picking up a heck of a lot of COVID time. You know, dealing with COVID folks. Um, and she said that's actually a good thing. She reassuring to me because she has some inf- she knows stuff. She's in the medical profession. She knows stuff. She says that's actually a good a good thing and the reason why that is is doctors don't prescribe remdesivir to covid patients that they think are too far gone that are too far along the line it's a it's a medication that they'll give to patients that they think have a good chance of recovering so that was good to hear and you know it's been a year since the covid's been going around and the medical profession has gotten better at treating it and working with it um so you know so that's good if he was going to get it at any time this would be the better time to get it than an early early in the in the in the pandemic better to get it now so um uh he is home he did go home on thursday uh from what i understand he's uh he's 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 got to have some oxygen and his recovery is going to take some time. It's going to take a little while before he gets back to work. Uh, his wife is going to do okay. If all, all we, you know, so hopefully they'll get through it and past it and, you know, then get their shots when they're available and all that. But, hey, it's almost like it was a really bad cold with a 99.98% survival rate. Right? Right? It's just that. It's nothing. Right? No, it's not nothing. My brother-in-law ended up in the hospital. So that's two more people to add to the list that I know personally who've had COVID. And again, thankfully, I don't know anybody who's died. And I don't want to. I don't want that to happen. You know, I told the group of skeptics, I was telling them about uh, this experiment that we did on the Facebook and how there were, uh, in the first uh, 57 responses, There were three that said no. Two of them said nope and nope. They used the word nope, which is sort of a kind of a dismissive kind of nope, Uh, nope, don't know anybody that died. Nope, don't know anybody that got it. And and I I, I told you about it last week when I looked at their Facebook pages and I saw that they had anti-masks posts. They had anti-pandemic type stuff posted. They had pro-Trump posts. And I, I know it's hardly conclusive of anything, really, but it is interesting, don't you think? You know, it is telling. The first person who said nope and nope was somebody I went to high school with and I've had some interaction with about this whole thing and his responses. I when, I when he said he didn't know anybody, I said that explains a lot. Now, the group that I was telling about this said, well... Their, their thinking is that these people are lying. They're lying, or they're downplaying, or they're fooling themselves. I think they're probably fooling themselves, or it, they might be lucky. They just might be lucky and have not gotten anybody close to them, anybody they know personally, to get it. But I I find that really hard to believe. But, you know... And, and, I, and I should say again, I think I said it last week, that there was somebody that was a little upset with all these people... You know, seeming to care about this this pandemic because it was directly affecting them, or at least people close to them. Whereas there's been other tragedies in the world: the Holocaust, uh, the, the 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 genocides in 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 Rwanda, or the attempted genocide in Rwanda. The you know the other stuff that you know that's gone on in the world: the killing fields in Cam- in, in Cambodia. Uh, the, you know, again the Holocaust. This why don't you know th- there are these things that happen. We don't seem so bent out of shape about them. Uh, Well, I said, no, we are, we are, we do, it does bother us, but this, this question is just sort of a, a way of, 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 of tracking how widespread this is, and also of showing how widespread this is, how much, how many people are being touched by this pandemic. And there's a lot. So, you know, um, I I am I'm I'm, I'm, hap, I'm happy that uh, my brother-in-law is home and let's hope that his recovery time doesn't take too long and that he does get to pre-covid recovery. Some people it takes a long time and and they might not and there are some that might not ever get quite back to that to that, to that state. They might not quite get their lung capacity back or whatever ailments that they have. Might just something might be with them becoming a chronic condition for the rest of their lives. I don't know for sure that that's going to ha- how how many people that's going to happen to, but it's something that ought to be aware that happens. Um, although, uh, let's let's move on to this. This is a cool thing. This is good news. Uh, the state of Minnesota and there are other states around the country that are that are making similar announcements some earlier, some just a little bit later but the state of Minnesota our governor has announced or yes he has announced that as of March 30th all Minnesotans ages 16 and up will be eligible to get the vaccine. They've been rolling it out in sort of a, in, in a tier system. You know, it's like the, the most vulnerable and he, frontline healthcare workers, you know, the first people, you know, people in nursing homes, vulnerable in that way, but the people that are working on the front lines, they, they're getting it, and then they start to bring it down, you know, so it's 70 and above, or, you know, 65 and above, and, and you know, they've been working it down that way. But uh, the amount of vaccines that are coming out there with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine coming up, the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine poised to be uh, added to the mix. All this stuff is happening, uh, and the supplies stream is, is working. You know, We've got to make sure we have the supplies to get them out, but they're, they're, the governor of our state, Tim Waltz, is confident enough to say we're going to open it up for everybody. So, you're going to start getting your invitations or you start being able to sign up and, and get your vaccines. And with that, today, earlier today, uh, around the noon hour, I get a text from my wife, my seven years younger than me wife my wife who uh, as the kids would say is between jobs at the moment i told you a while back she was she'd gotten a job and she was getting back in the workforce well that that first job she got that didn't quite work out uh you know she got laid off essentially and then the next job she got was and there's there's reasons there's things that that didn't last and that was going to be temporary anyway but that was part of, of rolling helping roll out the vaccine but it was just uh, there are there are reasons i won't go into the deep reasons but all right, you know, she hadn't been in the workforce for 17 years and she found it a little more difficult getting back into it than she thought it was going to be. So we're working on that. We're working on that. But she's at home. All right. But I get a text in the noon hour and she said, I just got the notice from, health, uh, what, from our health insurance company saying that she can sign up to get the vaccine, the first dose. I'm pretty sure it's Pfizer. She said, "Check your email." I checked my email. Nothing for me. Nothing from hell. Uh, nothing from our insurance company. Nothing for me. But she signed up. She's going to get her first dose on April 5th. Awesome. It's good. All right. And within 15 minutes, I got a phone call from my friend Craig. Craig is also younger than I am. And he works from home. And he said, dude, check your email. Because he's got the same insurance company that we've got. He said, check your email. I just got the email from the insurance company saying, I can sign up for my my first dose of the vaccine. He's going to get his on April 6th. I checked my email. Nothing. (laughs) So, I, um, uh, uh, you know, let me, uh, let me check here. Let me, uh, let me see what the email says. Uh, and I'm going to give it a check here to see if there's anything. i open up the email right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than them. I work out there in the world. I, I, I clean buildings, clean up after people. I do that. I go to an office every day. Of course, I'm self isolating at the office. I'm the only one in there, so that's fine. But I clean buildings. I go out there. I go to a comic book store every weekend. I'm out there. I go. Out. I. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> what the hell? I, 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 it's probably uh, when I got registered, and it's also you know probably a bit of a random thing, and and hopefully in a day in a few days day or two maybe tomorrow i don't know i'll get to notice and i'll be able to set up getting my first dose so i'm really not upset that uh that my wife and my friend have gotten set up i'm a little envious but i'm not i'm not upset i it's it means you know what it means it means the circle is getting bigger it's 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 start it's expanding and it's pulling people in. so get your vaccine when it's ready for you. get it. it's safe, it's effective. There have been stories about uh, um, you know there was a story in this in the Star Tribune in the Minneapolis paper about something like 89 people uh, had been reinfected after getting the vaccine and I and I and, I, and the person who shared it on Facebook was oh great and I said 89 out of 800,000 people who have been who are considered in Minnesota to be fully vaccinated 89 out of 800,000 that's nothing and none of those people are hospitalized none of it is severe and it just it's this is this is part of the you know the vaccines are 95 percent effective or they're or you know 80 percent effective that's part of it that's part of what happens so you know just just don't freak out and they say well there's people have died after getting the vaccine okay how many millions of vaccines have been given out in the world so far how many people have died and you know with all those millions of, of vaccines been given out millions of people getting them people are going to die not because of the vaccine necessarily <laughs> just because they died so it's it's the law of large numbers don't freak out. The vaccines are safe. They're effective. Get it. Get the vaccine. Get it. I plead with you. If you're on the fence, get off the fence. Get it. I'm gonna get it. I'll let you know that when I've gotten it, I will go through all that with you. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. In, I'm a full supporter of vaccines. They. They are the probably the single uh, most important medical advancement in the history of medicine. I mean, antibiotics is awfully big too, and all that. But I mean, vaccines. Just get your vaccine. Just get it. Okay. When it's your turn, get it. I'm going to take my first break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Doctor Jim Simmons. I'll be back after this break.
1: They cheated you like a dog, and you were the one who had made it so clear all of
0: years ago. You're listening to z Talk
1: Radio Network.
0: have you ever wondered what skeptics are up to in countries where english is not necessarily the first language or are you interested to learn about some fascinating and sometimes very bizarre europe-related facts events or people from history of skepticism or do you just want to know who's been really wrong lately you can find out all about that and more on the award-winning show the esp the The european European skeptics Podcast. podcast so where can people find the show You can find it online at theesp.eu, but you can also follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, or like us on Facebook. Oh, and you can contact the show by sending an email to info at theesp.eu. If you want to subscribe, do a quick search for the European Skeptics Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get to your podcast. The European Skeptics Podcast. The real ESP experience.
1: Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Ztalk Radio Network. Where we give those other guys the finger.
0: You're listening to Ztalk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, let's see, where else am I at? Um, uh, there, uh, another cool thing that, uh, it, that has taken place. Now, this was a little bit ago that this bit of cool thing uh, was made public. Uh, You're aware that there are robots up there on on Mars, right? That that Mars is the only planet that we know of that is uh, completely inhabited by robots. And the latest one that's up there is Perseverance. And we saw how it landed, and and got these great video shots of it of it coming down, and and uh, uh, it, it's just really cool. If, if if I didn't link to it, I'll try to link to it uh, again this time. I'll try to remember to uh, go to dimland.com, click on the the show notes slash blog option, and you'll you'll find the uh, the show notes for this week's show, and uh, hopefully I'll have a link in there. That will show the video of it landing on Mars. It's really cool. You just, just it's the Mars surface gets closer and closer, and it just lands, and it's great. And it's just, you know, this is another planet. We're on another planet. We get to see pictures from another planet, but not only that, not only that, we get for the first time the sound of another planet. For the first time, it's never happened before. We have the, what it sounds like on another planet. I mean, it's just the the, the NASA people. They, they you know they they equipped uh, Perseverance with a microphone, and uh, uh, I'll link to this for sure. The the the, the, the NASA spokesperson is telling you about the, the microphone that's on there, and he plays a he plays a couple sound clips. The First sound clip, you can hear the 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 sounds of, of Perseverance, like a whirring sound. That's the that the rover itself. You can hear that. And then you can hear this other sound. That's the sound of the planet. Uh, and then, and then they play it again with it, with the the they've they've somehow been able to drop the sound of the of the rover, so you can concentrate on the sound of the planet. And what it is is the sound of wind blowing across the microphone. You just hear this this wind. And if if you played that for somebody without saying. That it's from Mars, you'd say, "What is this?" And they'll just say, "Well, it's it's wind blowing against a microphone." Sure, you know, it's the sound of wind, and they might not be all that impressed. And then you say, "This, yes, this is wind, but it's wind on Mars. I mean, it's it's such a familiar sound, and yet it's still exotic because it's another planet. <laughs> it's cool. This this stuff that's it's just it's cool." I uh, I was reading a. I have a book that, that's a bunch of uh, uh, speeches by uh, Richard Feynman, who was a scientist. And uh, he, there's this, something he talked about about uh, planets throughout the universe that, are, that have things happening on them, like on Mars. Wind is blowing across Mars. There's, there's, there's volcanoes erupting on other planets. There's, there's stuff going on on them, and there's nobody there to watch it happen. It's just, it's just doing it. It's just doing their stuff, and I thought I found that concept kind of, kind of mind-boggling. But true, it's true. There are planets that have got stuff going on on them—storms and, and earthquakes. Well, would you call them earthquakes? But there are quakes happening. There's 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 volcanic volcanic activity. There's 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 stuff going on. Gentle breezes blowing across, and nobody's there to observe it. Nobody's there to hear it. Nobody knows. And that, and, and, but now we have a machine up there on, on Mars that can hear the wind and can send us that sound. Here's what it sounds like. Yeah, sounds like it's very familiar and yet it's very exotic. It's, I think it's so cool. And, and, and I often say this the same thing now. And how did we get there? How did we get on Mars? Did we get there through praying? Did we get there through, you know, wishful thinking Do we get there from you know uh following the advice of granddad that he was basing on his trick knee or something Do we get there for, no we got there through science through through uh, learning about how nature works learning about the world and building on top of uh, you know Knowledge on top of knowledge on top of knowledge, learning more and figuring things out and experimenting, and we learned how to make that possible, and that's awesome, it's so awesome. So that that is such a cool thing. And again, it's just the simple sound of wind. All right, <clears throat> this is gonna be fun. Maybe not for everybody. But, and I might have talked about this in the past, but uh, you know what season is upon us. We've just ticked over into spring, and we all know what I'm interested in. That's right, baseball's coming. I do believe the season starts on April 1st. I think that's when the season starts. Uh, there's always high hopes. I don't know how the Twins are going to do, but uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to lose in the playoffs if they make it to them. I'm, just, I'm pretty sure they can go 162-0, and 0, undefeated through the regular season, be the only team in the history of baseball to ever do it, and get swept out of the playoffs. That's that's how they'll do it. I mean, that's I'm just me. But I wanted to talk about a little history of this little event that... Because you know, I think I may have talked about it before, but I want to give it some other, some uh, another pass because there's some other information that's come out about it, and there's an observation I want to make that uh, occurred to me uh, just recently. So here we go. I want to talk about the 1919 Black Sox scandal. That was the scandal in, that, in which the Chicago White Sox, the heavily favorited team to win the World Series uh, over the Cincinnati Reds, uh, uh, eight players on that team were accused of throwing the series. The White Sox were the better team. Not that Cincinnati was a bad team, but the White Sox were just much more powerful. And what I learned, a lot of this stuff I learned from the Ken Burns uh, baseball documentary. So that's where I get a lot of this stuff. I did some Wikipedia and and looking into other things, uh, other videos on YouTube and and other little histories about this. But it's pretty much, uh, most of it comes from Ken Burns baseball. So um, this was, you know, it's 1919. The Spanish flu was winding down in the world. Probably everybody had gotten past the worst of it at that point. Uh, and that um, getting back to baseball and going to see the World Series uh, was a big deal. It was uh, World War One had ended fairly recently. Uh, the world was ready to get back to, to baseball. And baseball ruled the sports world in the United States at that time. Uh, and for quite a long time in the, in the, in the 20th century. You know, this is early, it's from the early 20th century up until... Oh, I suppose up until about the '70s or '80s, uh, '70s, '80s, the football began to take over, but baseball was, especially at that time, was dominant when it came to uh, the sports stuff in America. Gambling was prevalent in all sports in America, and it was, you know, it just was around; it was a fact of life. Uh, there were stories of of players that would throw games and get extra money for it and all that, but not in the World Series. That seemed to be sacrosanct. That was You don't touch the World Series. You don't do something like that. But in 1919, the uh, Chicago White Sox were a team that was really good, but the players didn't really get along with each other, and they didn't like their owner, uh, Charles Comiskey. It was said that he was really cheap and he wouldn't, you know, pay him well. But there was the reserve clause in that held players to a to a team at the whim of the owner. So the owner could pay him what they wanted. They could uh, trade him if they wanted to, or sell him off if they wanted to, or, you know, just whatever. But the, the player really didn't have much say. And, and the reserve clause lasted quite a long time. And uh, anyway, I won't go down that hole, but... It lasted quite a long time, so that caused some resentment. And it was said that they didn't like their pay, and that Comiskey was cheap, and all that kind of stuff. Well, there was a player, uh, Chick Gandil. He was the leader of this movement to, to this to to throw the series. He was approached by uh, by the gamblers, and and he he said yeah, and he got six other players to to maybe get on board with it. You know, he got six other players on on the hook. A seventh player heard about it and he wanted in. So there were eight total. Now there was one player named Buck Weaver. Buck Weaver was in on it from the beginning, you know, he went to some initial meetings that the guys were having about throwing the series, but then he ended up backing away and didn't do anything to throw the series, but he didn't say anything to the team. He didn't say anything to the owner. He didn't say anything to the league. He just kept his mouth shut. And then there was Joe Jackson. Now, Joe Jackson was a big star in baseball. He was the superstar of this of this conspiracy to throw the World Series. He was the superstar player. He was going to be a Hall of Famer. He was a great hitter uh, and, and all-around good, really good ball player. He was the idol of kids all across America. He was not well-educated. couldn't read, couldn't write. Uh, he was called Shoeless Joe Jackson because he was in the minor leagues. He was seen. It was, it was said that he was seen to be playing in the outfield in his socks because his new shoes were too tight. So, so they started calling him Shoeless Joe. He was in on it as well. Now there are people that try to soft pedal Joe Jackson. The film Filled of Dreams tried to soft pedal his. They said, Look what he did at the plate. At the plate, he had a great series but there was evidence that he might have in the field he might have botched a player or two just to help lose the games that that might have happened he did confess in a grand in grand jury testimony so what what ended up happening the word was sort of getting out there and a reporter named Hugh Fullerton sports reporter was hearing that the series was a lock for Cincinnati and that seemed wrong because Chicago was such a powerful team. So, so, Fullerton brought in Christy Mathewson, who was a pitcher from earlier, you know, from years before. And he was one of the top pitchers in the league. He was a well respected player. He was called the Christian gentleman. He was the idol of, of baseball fans the world, uh, well, the country over. And, and you know, so he, he was no longer in the game, but he was brought in to sit with Fullerton and watch what was going on on the field. And, and Matthewson's uh, task was to point out to Fullerton all those plays that seemed just a little iffy. Seemed like like the Chicago players were, were not going all out, were doing things. So the series went eight games. It was a nine game series. There's seven game series now. But they went eight games. Cincinnati ended up winning. It was very disheartening to all the fans, the Chicago fans. And, you know. It, you know his, but life goes on, that kind of thing. But this Fullerton guy starts to write about the rumors of the fix, and he starts to present some evidence. And they, you know, at first he wasn't liked about uh, for for doing it. But baseball had he, they they were forced to investigate. So there was a grand jury at some point, and three of the players involved, including Joe Jackson, confessed to throwing the series. In fact, you know, Joe Jackson, when he was being uh, uh, questioned by the district attorney or whatever it was, was saying, you know, he asked him what he got paid. He said, well, I was promised 10000 but I got 5000 And he got the money from one of the co-conspirators. Didn't He never even talked to any of the gamblers. So he got $5,000. And the guy, and the prosecutor or the, the DA asked, did your wife know about this? And he said, yeah, she found out about it the night he got the five, five grand. What did she say? She said it was an awful thing to do. So there's all that stuff going on in the, in the grand jury. The grand jury found that this could go to trial. But mysteriously, the confessions disappeared. They weren't presented at trial. And all eight players were acquitted. Well, the owners realized this is really damaging baseball. It is. Uh, it's causing the fans to to uh, leave the game, and this is this is going to be bad. We have to do something. So one of the things. So what they ended up doing was creating the an office for uh, a commissioner of baseball, an independent decision maker who will who will enforce the rules of baseball, uh, make rules for baseball. Uh, he will be the arbiter, he's the guy in charge, he's independent, he can't be influenced by the players, he can't be influenced by the media and he can't be influenced by the owners. Wink, wink, wink. So the owners thought. And they got, they pulled this guy, he was a federal judge, his name was Kennesaw Mountain uh, Landis. Kennesaw Mountain Landis. He was named after a battlefield that his father got injured at uh, during the Civil War. And he was, uh, you know, he was not a great judge. Uh, but he had he had he had a ruling that he uh, had handed down uh, that it was in favor of the baseball owners, and so they thought this guy might work with us, and he might be good, and it'll look good for the fans that hey, you know, baseball's taking up its you know responsibility, and we're putting a guy in charge. And I'll tell you what he did when I come back from my next break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Doctor Dimfit Simmons. I'll be back. Come on, let's go, there we are, I'll be back. listening to z talk radio network
1: i am living on channel z. when oh when will someone design an exploding head emoticon please someone anyone you're listening to Dimland radio on z talk radio network You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at
0: the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Uh, My kitty cat is visiting. She wants me to pet her while I'm doing the show. She's feeling better. I know this is gross, but her poops have been more like they should be. So that's good. Uh, Amy still has a dickens of a time getting a pill down this this animal, but she does manage to do it. Uh, She's got some scratched up hands. But she does manage to do it um, she, you know she's 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 found a method that seems to be working or at least uh, if not every time most of the time so and let's hope the kitty will will be will be okay <laughs> you know it's weird uh, we got her back and it took like a day and a half for us to notice that she had her belly shaved. <laughs> They did an ultrasound on her. We should have thought about it. And it was like she was laying down and Amy looked over and said, oh, look, she has her belly shaved. I was like, well, yeah, does she had an ultrasound. Yeah, of course she's got her belly shaved. So, anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So the Black Sox scandal. Well, uh, Judge Landis made the new the first commissioner of baseball the day after all eight fellows were acquitted... Of throwing the World Series, they were acquitted, and they thought, "Okay, we're going to get back to it, and that's fine." The next day, the the commis- the commissioner's ruling comes out that any player that participated in throwing a World Series, throwing a game, or you know, consorted with gamblers that knew about this the plan, maybe they didn't participate in it, but knew about it, didn't say anything. Any player that had any kind of involvement like that, in all at all. That has any kind of involvement in that sort of thing is forever banned from baseball. So all eight people, all eight players, were booted. They never played the game professionally again, and that's you know, and that's that's pretty rough. But that's what the that's what happened, and that was you know uh, the players didn't expect that. Uh, so. There are some different wrinkles. Apparently, a couple of years ago, there's a group of people that have been looking into all the evidence about this eight men out case. And, and they've been finding some different information that paints it just a little bit differently. Uh, one of the things they say it's different is that the gamblers did not approach the players. It was the other way around. The players went to the gamblers, or at least one player did. And it's it's been said that the players were, were poorly played, well, uh, paid, I should say. Um, they they may have been, they may have thought they were poorly paid, but the Chicago White Sox did have a pretty, you know, one of the higher payrolls uh, in baseball at the time. So it wasn't exactly quite right that they were low paid, although they may have thought they were. Um, there's you know the uh, joke Jackson. Even though he said it in in, in the uh, grand jury testimony, he confessed to throwing the series. Uh, he later recanted that, but he could never get back into baseball. Uh, Buck Weaver said, you know, I he knew about it, but he didn't say anything. He didn't participate in in doing any. You know, he played all out to win. He did that, but he didn't stop the other players, and he didn't. You know, it, it just. But he was—he knew about it and didn't say anything about it. And so, um, part of why I bring it up again is I was just watching on the YouTube. But don't look for it—you can't find it. YouTube found that somebody put up episodes of baseball and said, "No, no, this is PBS's property. We can't—we uh, can't have this up there." So it disappeared. But before that happened, I was able to watch the this, the 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 episode that covered the Chicago Black Sox scandal, and a couple of. Of the, of the talking heads that they had on the, that documentary series, the Ken Burns documentary series, uh, a, I, something they said on there just, just um, gave me pause. And I was thinking a little bit differently about it this time. Uh, there, was a, there was a fellow that was 15 years old when the 1919 World Series was being played. He was an old man at the time of the documentary. It was made, of course. And he was reminiscing back then. He was a fan of the Chicago team. He was disappointed that they had lost. And then he learned about the scandal and all that. So he was giving his perspective on it. And at one point, he says, and I don't have the exact quote, but he says, they were just a bunch of dumb farm boys. They didn't know anything about finance. Okay, Let's set that. Let's put a pin in that little statement. There was another fellow that did who contributed to as a talking head uh, to the documentary series throughout, a man named Daniel O'Krent. I think that's how you say his name. And he was some sports writer, editor kind of guy, and so he knows baseball. And so they, they, they talked to him about things. And he was soft-pedaling joe jackson's involvement like he was saying sort of the same thing about him being a dumb farm boy he was unsophisticated he didn't essentially they were suggesting these guys were were naive now they may have been naive in thinking that they could get away with it or thinking that if they were caught that they wouldn't be punished severely maybe that's where their naivete uh, took place but they weren't just dumb farm boys who didn't know finance come on they knew they were doing something wrong they knew they were cheating. They knew what they were doing. They weren't dumb. You know, let's not. You know, farm people aren't dumb. <laughs> you know, and these guys just let's not insult them and let's not try to get. You know, they were smart enough to know they were cheating. So let's not try to just kind of passive. Oh, they weren't sophisticated enough. Oh, they were. They were bamboozled by the gamblers, and maybe they were a little bit, but they knew they were cheating they knew what they were doing was wrong come on so baseball had a uh, had a problem how do they get the fans back well a couple few things happened the, the the owners appointed the commissioner who showed that the rules are the rules whether or not that really meant that but showed that they're going to be tough on people who cheat and they're gonna to be tough on the gamblers. A message sent to the gamblers, message sent to the players. You know, that was a very strong message sent out. Whether or not you know, whether or not there was world ser- there were world series in the before this one that were maybe uh, you know, gambler influenced. Don't know. But we just know about nineteen nineteen. And maybe there were some since then that might have been gambler influenced. We don't know, but we know there was nineteen nineteen. So the commissioner was put in place, but other things unrelated to the scandal happened about the same time. There was a player, and I won't, I don't have all the names, all that. Sorry, but uh, there was a player, a hitter, that got hit by a pitch in the in in his head, right in his temple, crushed his temple, died the next day. It was the first time that happened, and what the league ended up doing as a result of that was. They no longer allowed there to be a dirty ball in the game. The 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 guys would play with one game one ball through the game. That maybe there would be two or three. They would replace the ball maybe once or twice throughout the game. But really, it was just they tried to keep a ball in play for as long as they could. And the pitchers were allowed to to spit tobacco on it and get it all dirty put rub licorice on it and scuff it and cut it and do all kinds of things to the ball and the ball was a lot softer in those days and so it would get hit and mashed around a little bit so it would it would have funny ways of traveling when they would pitch it and it would you know and it just and it became hard to see so this player that gets beamed in the head and killed by it they figured Part of the reason was he couldn't see the ball because it's it's so brown, it's so dark. A white ball is easier to see against a the, the green field. So they decided that's it. The league decided no more you know, um, no more dirty balls in the game. When a game when the ball starts to get dirty, you toss it out, you put in a new ball. That coincided with the ball being made more lively. It's like a cork center to it with yarn around it and that was it was tightened, tightened up on how it was put together. So it's tighter and so that it had a more, you know, it would it would go farther when hit. And that happened to happen uh at about the same time as this young fellow at the time, because he was in the league when the uh Black Sox scandal took place. He was playing for he was playing for uh the Boston Red Sox. He was pitching But he would hit, he would play in the field on days where he wasn't pitching, and he brought a new way of hitting to the game. Uh, A power hitter that was unheard of before him. Uh, he, He brought a new approach to hitting. So combine that with a clean ball and a lively ball, and this guy who could hit the ball a country mile, this guy was Babe Ruth, who is the most, still, I think, the most uh, famous of all the baseball players in the world, ever? Uh, it's going to be, you know, if you ask somebody, a stranger who doesn't know baseball, say, name a baseball player. Babe Ruth is some. Of the, is probably who they're going to name. And he, you know, the man brought the, the home run into prominence in the game. There were home runs in the game before, but barely any. Barely. And the purists of the game at the time didn't like the, the home runs coming into the game the way they were. You know, but Babe Ruth, right from the beginning, he would he, when he started hitting those home runs, he would hit in a season uh, more home runs just himself than other teams, entire teams would hit an entire in, a, in a, over the course of a season. And he became, you know, it's just he brought back the he brought back the fancy, and so that's how baseball survived that really big scandal in the early part of the 20th century. That's the story of the Blackhawks, or Black Sox, I should say, not the Blackhawks. That's a, something else. So, um, I hope that didn't you know, set you off too much. <laughs> but it's it's just uh, I find it a fascinating story, and it's nice to to know that there's more information about it when they look into things a little more closely from from this from a hundred plus years. Uh, And are saying that, you know, there was a little bit of, uh, uh, little bit of, of, um, uh, myths built up around this game, uh, around that scandal. That, uh, and I thought, I find that to be interesting.
1: And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah. This ought to be good.
0: Well, <laughs> let's see if it's any good. Um, let's see. Uh, we were just watching this movie. Uh, it's called Prisoners. It's from uh, 2013. It was released into the movie theaters. It's pretty good. It's it's a bit dark, uh, and it's uh, there's some violent. There's some pretty stark violence in there. Uh, pretty disturbing in what happens. Uh, it. it it gives you, um, you know, food for thought. It, 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 these, the situation that is brought in, brought up in this movie makes makes a parent, someone who's a parent, uh, think. Brings up some interesting questions. It's uh, it's it's um, it stars uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Hugh Jackman. Uh, Maria Bello, uh, Viola Davis, uh, Terrence Howard, Melissa Leo, and Paul Dano. They're the, they're the main stars of the movie. Uh, Hugh Jackman and Maria Bello. Uh, they play they play husband and wife, and they have two kids, uh, an older son and a young daughter. And they are friends with this other family, which is uh, Viola Davis and Terrence Howard, and their two kids, uh, an older you know teenage girl and a younger daughter, um, and, so, you know, so the two older si- si- uh, siblings in these two families are close to the same age, and the two younger ones are close to the same age, and these families are, are friends, and they are gathering together for a Thanksgiving, and the two younger daughters kind of wander off, and then the, uh, the, the teenage kids, the that go off with them, and uh, you know they catch up with them, and they they there's a there's a there's a, a mysterious recreational vehicle parked nearby, and the kids start climbing on it, the young kids, and the older kids come, no, no, leave that alone, get away from that, and that kind of thing happens, and then uh, later on that Thanksgiving day, the two youngest ones, they were going back to uh, one of their, uh, the, the Hugh Jackman, you know, their house, uh, and they disappear. And uh, the police get involved, and Jake Gyllenhaal plays a detective. A detective that uh, we're told in the film is a very good detective. He's he's solved every case that he's that he's ever had. He's solved every one, and it's the reaction of uh, uh, the Hugh Jackman character, especially, but uh, the, the 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 other the other parents how they react to this disappearance. And, a uh, let's see, without giving too much away, uh, Jack, uh, Jackman's character focuses on one particular suspect, but because the laws work the way they work, they're unable to hold this suspect in custody long enough. And uh, Jackman's character takes some things into his own hands. He he he's you know he he feels like he failed to protect his family, and he's going to make damn sure that he can find his daughter. And the, the other people get kind of roped into some stuff here, and it gets pretty dark. What the uh, where where they go? And um, you know it's 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 good. It's a good movie. It's worth watching. Uh, it's a, Out of four stars, it's a solid three. It would have been three and a half, if not four, my pedantic moment. Uh, yeah. I have to be careful, because I don't want to... Um, I don't want to... I don't want to spoil the movie for you. But... Um, there's a, a... Toward the end of the movie... The police detective, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, he has to get somewhere fast. He hops in his unmarked police vehicle, and he starts hauling ass. There's some obstacles of what's going on. It's raining, and he, there's a reason that I won't give, uh, but there's a reason he can't see very well. He can see, but it's not. there's something interfering. That's not just the rain, there's something else that's interfering with how well he can see. And, and he's hopped in his unmarked police vehicle. He's got the lights flashing. And he's hauling ass around these winding country roads. You know they're well paved and everything, but it's two lanes, may not have much of a shoulder, and he's zipping around these corners and stuff. And he's getting around from behind people, and the near misses of cars coming the other direction. You know, with that, that you know, the horn honking and doing the Doppler effect, that as he goes by them, and and, it, and it's, it's 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 he's got to get somewhere. I won't tell you why, but he's got to get somewhere. And he's got to get there in a hurry, and it's it's supposed to be this action. Uh, intense, tense feeling action sequence. It's that's what's supposed to be, and it's working so far. But then he gets to uh, 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 the more uh, main part of the roadway, closer to town, uh, at which opens up. So, <clears throat> so it's two lanes going both ways, and he, he's honking his horn, and he's got his lights flashing, and he's. But he's trying to get around these cars that are in front of him and he's got to go through red lights and and, and near, nearly miss crashing into the cross traffic and he's trying to get somewhere. he's got to get there. And the entire time, it's going not, not through the, not through the windy country roads, but as soon as he gets into these wider roads with more lanes and a lot more traffic, and the traffic is not getting out of his way, I kept thinking, put your siren on. I just kept thinking that. Put your siren on. You got your lights flashing, put the siren on. People will get out of your way. That's what we do here in the United States. When an emergency vehicle is speeding along with their lights going and their siren going, you get out of their way. Now, maybe, you know, most, this was 2013, that's when the movie is set, so, and that's when the movie came out. But it's it's set in 2013. So, but maybe this is a part of the country that doesn't have the, the little blinkity blinkety lights for the emergency vehicles. That that uh, the little strobe light that will that will trip uh, a, a sensor on the traffic lights that changes the lights to green so they can get through. That gets other people to stop in the craft so they, so they don't have to go through red lights uh, at the intersection. So maybe that part of the world didn't have that set up there. Okay, fine. But undercover police vehicles have siren tones they have the lights and they have the sirens they have them because undercover cops or detectives driving unmarked police cars they need to get to places in a hurry sometimes too so put the siren on they'll get out of your way and not only that we know the car is is equipped with a radio he doesn't call ahead to say be ready for me when I get there he doesn't do that, and he doesn't. He doesn't say, "Can I'm I'm traveling on this route? Can you, you know, can is there any vehicle, you know, uh, you know, squad cars in, in there that can open up traffic for me?" He doesn't do that either. So that pulled me out for a bit. The 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 high intense uh, action of the sequence lost it for me because I thought, "Just put your siren on. That's all you've got to do. Just put your siren on." Good
1: night. Our doctor good night Frau Blucher
0: okay uh, the end of another show uh, be skeptical and extraordinary qu- uh, claims require extraordinary evidence wash your hands you know be patient about things uh, keep your distance stay home when you can wear a mask get the vaccine when you can. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. has been a production of the Z-Talk radio network and
1: now a message to our competitors thanks Thanks for tuning us in in.
0: well I'm going going to to hell